It's our 12th part in uh, the book of Titus. But Paul wrote this letter uh, to encourage Titus and help strengthen the churches, uh, to encourage him as he was strengthening the churches on that island of Crete. And we saw there in verse number five, if you look at that verse, we saw that the churches on that island, they were disorderly. And uh, Titus was called to set things in order. How did he tell Titus to do that? He told Titus to appoint good leaders. We're going to talk a little bit this morning about leadership. And um, the fact is that all of us are leaders. All of us are leaders. You don't have to be a CEO or a boss to be a leader. You don't even have to oversee a ministry at a church to be a leader. If you're a parent, you're a leader. If you're an uh, older brother, older sister, somebody's looking up to you. If you are a believer in the workplace, people are looking to you for something. You might not be their boss. You might be, uh, in fact, they might be your boss. But, in, but the reality is, if somebody's looking to you, you are a leader. I'd like to just clo- uh, start as we... As we start the message today, I want to just start by praying and ask God's blessing. Father, Lord, I do pray that you would touch our hearts this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word. And uh, Lord, how that you have called all of us into the ministry in some way or another. Lord, I pray for uh, the word of God. Lord, I thank you for it. I pray that it would be, uh, again, impactful today. I pray that you would stir our hearts, Lord, Holy Spirit, convict us of, of the things that we don't know. Lord, I pray that you would convict us of things that we need to know. And Lord, the things that we should be doing that we know that we're not doing, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to do the right thing, to not be a hearer of the word only, but be a doer, to take the word of God and to follow it as our roadmap for life. As the word says, thy word, Psalm 119 Thy word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So, Father, I pray that you'd help us today to follow the direction that you've called us to go. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The disorder in the churches. Paul said, appoint some good leaders. John C. Maxwell, who has written over 70 books on leadership, he's been attributed, this quote has been attributed to him But I believe that actually Lee Robertson said it before him. He said it for many years. But everything rises and falls, do you know the rest? On leadership. So you've heard it before. Everything rises and falls on leadership. You could probably think of some examples um, in your own life experience how that things either rose or they fell apart because of leadership. Amen? And uh, so we see here uh, that... um, Paul says in verse number five, for this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order things that are wanting and ordain elders, pastors, leaders, ministry leadership in every city as I had appointed thee. His commission was from, from God through Paul to set up leadership in the churches. Um, there's a difference between leadership and the world and in a church. A pastor is God's appointed and God's anointed leadership in the church. 
But under the pastor, and by the way, Jesus is the shepherd of the church. The pastor is the under-shepherd. Everything is to be uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is not uh, equal at all. There's nobody in this world, there's no, um, there's no church leader that is on equal footing with Jesus Christ. He is the shepherd of the church. The pastor is there as that under-shepherd, the earthly, uh, earthly leadership, the one that is uh, a human that God has appointed to, uh, to lead the church, and um, he is appointed and anointed to do that. I've heard it said the ministry is the best calling, but it is the worst profession. Uh, Haddon Robinson written many books on preaching. Uh, he said that the modern preacher has a job description that sounds like Superman. He's expected to make house calls like an old country doctor, to shake hands like a campaigning politician, to prepare lessons like a professor, and see as many people as a psychologist. He has to be as skilled as an executive, as the president of a business, and as shrewd as a financier, as a banker. And in the middle of it all, so good a diplomat that he could umpire a baseball game between the NAACP and the Ku Klux Klan. As a result, those entering the ministry are confused about who they are sometimes and what they're supposed to be doing uh, to accomplish the mission and uh, how they're to live up to the impossible expectation. But it is the greatest calling but the worst profession. Uh, it is not a job. It is not a career. It is a calling. Um, and many are called into the ministry. Sad to say not everyone goes into the ministry. There are many that go into the ministry who were not called either. Uh, so you have kind of that issue. But you have to know that you're called, and only God can make a minister, not parents, not a pastor. A pastor doesn't call anyone into the ministry. A seminary or a Bible college does not call anyone to the ministry. Just because somebody has a degree does not call them into the ministry. You can prepare for ministry, uh, but not everyone is called to be, uh, as far as a church, a pastor. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. T now, Paul is relating to a pastor, to the minister at Ephesus, Timothy. He's relating to him a message. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Paul says, this is a faithful saying. He's saying, basically, this is the truth. <laughs> if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. It's a good desire to have. And I believe that's part of the calling. There needs to be a desire. Um, in the calling, when you know that you're called of the Lord into full-time ministry, into leading a church, you have to know that this is God's calling, and, there's, and if you were to do anything else, it would be a sin. It is a full-time uh, desire. It is a full-time calling. He says, I thank God that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. And so the church uh, is that flock. Jesus is the shepherd. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Where does he lead us? Besides still waters, uh, into green pastures, right? And uh, he leadeth me, he leadeth me. But the pastor is that under shepherd of the flock. He is a leader. His leadership should follow the leadership and pattern. His leadership style should be the same as the Lord Jesus Christ. It should not be different than the Lord uh, we hear about diff different leadership styles, but the Lord Jesus was a servant leader. He was one uh, who commanded 
uh, authority. We know that. He spoke uh, with authority. He, uh, he was the truth. He is the truth. Um, but he also knew what it was to serve those that followed. He washed the disciples' feet. He was not above doing that. And um, also, those that you, f- you lead as a leader will begin to imitate you and your style. So if the pastor is following the leadership of the Lord Jesus Christ, he will begin to imitate that same leadership style. If a pastor uh, is leading a flock, the flock will imitate and, uh, in a sense, mirror that leadership style. Jack Hiles said, leaders who criticize followers will have followers who criticize the leader. If you uh, are a parent, you understand that if you have a critical spirit, you cannot tell your children, do as I say and not as I do, and magically they will not have the critical spirit. They are going to imitate what they see. They are great mirrors (laughs) of the parent. Children mirror and mimic, imitate their parents. What they see is what they do. So he says, leaders who criticize followers will have followers who criticize the leaders. Uh, many a pastor, Jack Hiles continues, uh, many a pastor has suffered heartache in his church simply because he was critical of other pastors. If a pastor would have soul winning people, he himself must be a soul winner. <laughs> I can't tell you, well, you need to go out and win souls if I'm not doing what I'm telling you to do. We also call that hypocrisy, right? Uh, but if a pastor would have heart, or warm-hearted people, he must be warm-hearted. Uh, I've heard it said many times, a church will begin to imitate the personality of the pastor. That could be good, that could be bad. Um, the proper kind of leadership will reflect itself in the followers very shortly. He said, uh, it is after his kind. Optimism begets optimism, and pessimism begins, uh, begets pessimism. Enthusiasm begets enthusiasm, and lethargy begets lethargy. Generosity begets generosity. Stinginess begets stinginess. Love begets love, and hate begets hate. Success begets success, and failure begets failure. Everything reproduces after his kind. That's how God's uh, system works, God's economy, world works. So uh, if you want, if you see a problem in your children, by the way, they are the greatest mirrors that you could ever have as a parent. If you see a problem in your children, uh, look hard into yourself uh, and say, is there something that I need to change? Is there some attitude that I have that I'm seeing reflected in my children that I need to change? Children have their own will. There's, thing, there's some children that are, there's some cases that are harder than others, right? You've probably known that there are some, if you've had more than one child, every child is different. Am I right? <laughs> I mean, every child is different. Praise the Lord for variety. But every child has their own free will and they have to make choices. I'm not saying to be overly introspective, but I will say that if there is an issue, it may be because of a, uh, some sin or some other problem that you need to shore up in your own life. Um, so if leadership in the churches in Crete were disorderly, since leadership style begets fellowship, what was the problem? 
if there's disorder in the members, there might be disorder in the leadership. And so that's why Paul was calling Titus to do this. Uh, what kind of church members did those uh, disorderly leaders produce? They produced unruly. Verse number 10, chapter one, verse 10. The Bible says, for there are many unruler, uh, unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. There was chaos in the church. There was false doctrine in the church. There was uh, legalism in the church. There was rebellion in the church because of disorder in leadership. That's why Paul addressed leadership first. Many times we try to fix, we try to fix the symptom without going to the root of the problem. Whatever problem that you have in life, don't just try to fix what people can see. Deal with the root. Deal with the root. Many times we try to put lipstick on a pig without actually trying to fix the problem. If you work on houses, if you work on uh, any kind of construction or remodeling, uh, some, sometimes when you start tearing a project apart, guess what you find? Things below the surface that you didn't know were there, but many times there were symptoms. Uh, you might have seen uh, some discoloration on a wall, and you think, well, all I have to do is paint over it, then it'll be fine, right? Well, it could be that there's a leak somewhere that's coming in, uh, and so you have to kind of tear into a problem and fix the root. And so whatever it is in your spiritual life, in your, uh, in your daily walk, whatever it is that is, there's a symptom, try to deal with that root problem. Ask the Lord for wisdom on that. Uh, but the issue here in the church is stemmed from leadership. There was rebellion, but it was because of the leadership. There was uh, false doctrine. There, there was uh, insubordination against God's truth. They were not submitting to the Lord and his word. Now, I don't like rules any more than you like rules. How many of you just love rules? <laughs> okay, honest people today. I really appreciate that. Uh, I'm not a big uh, lover of rules, but I appreciate the rules that are there. Uh, Many times our problem is we do ourselves have a, our own spirit of rebellion that's built in. Sometimes we follow after what feels right rather than what is right. We don't want to obey God's authorities. That, you know, there's a reason that authority is there. There's a reason that the rules are there. Somebody said rules are made to be broken. That's not true, okay? Uh, but what was Titus called to do uh, with this unruliness that we read in verse 10? What did Titus what did Paul call, what did he say, Titus, this is what you do. Make more rules so that the legalists will be happy because they want more rules. Um, no. <laughs> the people that were there on the island were already trying to solve their problem by adding more rules. But more rules lead, leads to more legalism. Rules are a part of every organization. It's a part of every government or structure. God is not anti-rules. But if you look at any church or religious group that uses rules or guilt to control its followers and to lead people with just rules, you will ultimately produce a rebellious, unruly people because people naturally, they fight against the rules. We can't figure out how to get things under control, so let's just throw more rules at the problem. We have an issue with guns on the street, so let's just create more gun laws. No, let's deal with the heart of the problem. You could have more guns on the street and no violence. Guns are not the problem. Well, that's not a popular message today because, it's, because it doesn't go with the agenda. It doesn't go with the message that's trying to be, the narrative that's out there that somehow guns are the problem. No, my friend, the heart of man is the problem. 
The heart of the problem is a problem of the heart. Author and writer Josh McDowell has correctly said, rules without relationship leads to rebellion. There are at least three different leadership styles. Leadership by intimidation, leadership by manipulation, and leadership by inspiration. Leadership by intimidation is leadership uh, by fear. There's people that lead by making their followers fear them. Leadership by uh, uh, intimidation is leadership by fear. Leadership by manipulation is leadership by deceit. But leadership by inspiration is leadership by influence. Influence. I believe that's what Jesus, how he led. Leadership by inspiration is ultimately the only way for a pastor and a church leaders to lead God's people. A leader is able to inspire people to go places many times that they would not have normally thought they could go. Have you ever had someone in your life that just encouraged you and somehow you were able to just take another step forward? But then there were maybe times where people were discouraging you, causing you to second-guess God, causing you to second-guess God's will. There's many, many people that have bowed out of the, of the race because they were not encouraged. They were not inspired to do anything. So leaders can have an incredible power for, for evil or for good. Back to the rules. We do have minimal rules around here. I believe in rules. But uh, we need to have order. So you do have rules for order. If you don't like the rule, then that's okay. Appeal the to your authority. Nothing wrong with that. It's a good way to do that. Maybe ask for clarification on something. But my advice is don't buck against the rules just because you don't like them. My goal is not to teach you to be a good rule follower, but rather to inspire you to be a Jesus follower. Because if we're following the Lord Jesus Christ, the rules are not going to bother us. Uh, Because we're not here to please man. We're not here to just keep rules. We're here to follow Jesus. 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verse 1, Paul gave us a great example. He told the church at Corinth, be followers of me, even as also I am of Christ. Paul wasn't one of those preachers who said, uh, don't do as I do, do as I say. He said, do as I do. Follow Jesus like I follow Jesus. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 2, he says, now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them unto you. So he's saying, He's not saying, just follow Jesus and no rules. <laughs> He's saying there, there is need for order in the church. There's need for uh, organization. There's need for, uh, for us to uh, follow after morality and follow after righteousness. But while we're following Jesus, and if we uh, understand sound doctrine and truth, and we read the word of God, and we listen to the Holy Spirit, we will know uh, that we are following after Christ. We will know that we're doing things in the right spirit. And all of the other things will take care of themselves. Following Jesus doesn't mean no rules at all, but we are doing what we do because we love Jesus. There's, uh, th- I've always said there's nothing, no one more miserable than a Christian who's away from the Lord. It's not the unsaved people that are as miserable, uh, the most miserable. It's the saved individual who's under conviction. But I also say there are many miserable Christians who think that just keeping rules 
is what the Christian life is all about. No, it's a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The church members were unruly. There was a need to set things in order. And then also false doctrine and legalism was rampant. We've already kind of touched on that. But verse number 10 through 16 is where we were in the last few weeks. But he said there in verse number 10, many unruly vain talkers, those that were of the circumcision. He says in verse 11, whose mouths must be stopped. Why? Because they were, they were subverting whole houses. They were leading people the wrong way. They were teaching things that they ought not to teach for filthy lucre's sake, and the many other reasons were listed there. But in verse 16, verse 16 they profess that they know God, but in their works they deny him. They were not uh, true followers of Jesus. They were legalistic false teachers who were adding works to the gospel. So what was Titus called to do about this? Well, in chapter 2, verse number 1, we see his duty there. And uh, the duty of a spiritual leader in verse number 1 is knit to the former matter in chapter 1 by the conjunction, the first word there in chapter 2, verse 1, but... If you see that there, it's connecting it to another thought. Chapter one is leading into chapter two. Verse number one, let's read it together. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. What is Timothy supposed to do about false doctrine? What is he supposed to do about the legalism that is rampant in the church? He's supposed to preach sound doctrine. Preach the word. That's his duty. Uh, be, preach that which, or speak thou things that become sound doctrine. The preacher's not called to preach what he thinks. The preacher's not called to preach what he feels. The preacher's not to call, uh, called to preach what the people want to hear. The preacher is called to preach the unadulterated word of God, the sound doctrine. Paul is concerned with the spiritual health of these people. It's not Paul's followers. It's not Paul's disciples. It's not Paul's church or Paul's ministry. Uh, yes, this is his son in the faith whom he loves. And I'm sure he loved the people on that island. And he cared for their, uh, for their spiritual needs. But he's calling them to have spiritual spiritual health, and that only comes through the word of God and understanding the, the right interpretation of scripture. You've heard the opening line of a person's last will and testament, right? I'm not gonna put your name in there, but you put your name in there. I'll put my name in there. I, Paul Hoover, being of sound mind, and I hope I can say that, but uh, do hereby declare that this document be my last will and testament. We hear that word sound mind. What does that come, uh, what does that bring to your mind when you hear that word sound? Sound, you've heard that before, right? Sound health, uh, sound doctrine. The word in Greek, in the Greek language behind our English word here in verse number one, the word sound, it basically gives us the word hygiene. It means healthy. Healthy, healthy doctrine is what's needed in the church today. Healthy doctrine is what they needed to hear on the island of Crete. Healthy doctrine, sound doctrine is what's needed in every corner of the world. We have too much false doctrine out there. We have people that are preaching, as we read in chapter one, uh, for filthy lucre's sake. 
And so they're gonna twist the scripture to say what is appealing, what sounds good, what serves them, but that is not what we're called to do. In fact, we are called to refute false doctrine and preach the truth. And he says here in verse number one, but speak thou the things which become sound or healthy doctrine. Chapter one, verse nine, go back if you would, uh, the page before, Titus one, verse nine, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. I have found through the years that if we hold forth the word of life with sound doctrine, it has a healing effect. The word of God heals the church. If there's a problem in the church, the word of God can solve that problem. If there's a problem in your home, the word has that cathartic effect of healing in the home. If the word of God were not here, we'd have problems. But thank God, we have a more sure word of prophecy. We have the word of God that is true. It is tried. It is proven. It has stood the test. And the word of God can solve the problems in your life. The Bible, sound doctrine, the gospel is a sacred trust. There's never been a book like it. It's not the book of the month, amen? It's not the book of the year. This is the book of the ages. It is our foundation. We dare not tamper with God's communication to the world. Our duty is to deliver the message, not change it. Don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> just, hey, you know, as they say, the old preacher said, if your phone's ringing, don't get mad at me. I'm just dialing the number. <laughs> Sometimes the word of God can convict and praise the Lord for that. Sometimes that conviction stings and it hurts. But praise God, we have the truth. We have the sacred trust, the gospel, the word of God. Jude chapter one, verse three, Jude is calling to contend to strenuously fight. He says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort or encourage and challenge uh, you that you should earnestly contend and fight for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. It is not time for us to lay back in our easy chair, in our recliner. It is not time to lay in our hammock when the world is going uh, uh, straightway down that broad way that leadeth to destruction. It is time for us to, uh, to take up our responsibility, to take up our mantle and say, this is my duty to preach the word of God, sound doctrine. You might say, well, pastor, I'm a woman. I can't be a preacher. All of us can be a, a preacher of the word of God wherever we go. And even when I was five years old or eight years old, however it was, when I asked my dad, do I preach unto my, my little dachshund dog because the Bible says in Mark to preach unto every creature? He said, well, I don't think that's technically what it means, but he said, if that's what you, uh, if you feel that's what you need to do, well, I guess you go ahead and preach the dog too, I guess. But we need to get out there and, and, and share the truth with this world that is dying and going to hell. It is not time for us to uh, rest easy and think, well, that's somebody else's battle. He says for us to, as Christians, to contend earnestly for the faith, uh, to fight the good fight, uh, to contend. 
Uh, you find that idea in Philippians 1.27. Deuteronomy 4.2, of course, with the sacred trust of the gospel has been given to us. This is, of course, speaking to the Israelites. But Moses writes here in Deuteronomy 4.2, the words of God, he says, ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Revelation 22, 18 and 19 has the same understanding. We're not supposed to add or take away from the scriptures. We're supposed to preach the, the, the word of God as it is to people as they are. You say, well, the world is changing so much. It's not popular to preach that it's uh, wrong for a man to marry a man or a woman to marry a woman or, or for uh, somebody to change their gender or their sexuality. Oh, that's not going to be popular, Pastor, to tell them that that's wrong. Well, is the Word of God, is it changing? Has it changed? Is it going to change? The Word of God will not change. The message is the same, but we can preach the truth in love. But don't water down the message. Sound doctrine, healthy doctrine. What does the Bible say? That is what we need to preach. So we have a sacred trust, but also what we believe, it affects what we will do. What you believe affects what you do. Behavior is an extension of theology. There's a direct correlation between what we think, what we think in our mind, what we believe in our heart, and how we behave, how we act. For example, two people are standing on top of a bridge. One believes he can fly. The other one believes the truth. You cannot fly. And uh, the choices they make based on their belief are gonna look quite different from each other. In the same way, a man who believes that there's no such thing as right and wrong will naturally behave differently from a man who believes in a well-defined moral standard. You might say, well, Pastor, there are some gray areas in Scripture that are kind of left up to interpretation. Well, the Ten Commandments are not gray. That's pretty black and white. And follow the Word of God. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? 1 Timothy 1, 9, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers and for uh, of fathers and murders of mothers. It's sad to say, but in this world, in this very city, there are people, there are children that are killing their own parents. There are parents that are killing their own children. Unnatural affection. Verse 10, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, slave traders, kidnappers, however you want to define that, but uh, liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. In other words, true teaching promotes righteous living. True teaching and, and, and belief, belief in truth. It's, not, it's one thing to give lip service to the Bible and say, well, that's the word of God. It's another thing to say, this is God's word, and it is true for you, it is true for me, it is objective, it doesn't matter what you think, it doesn't matter what I think, this is the truth. That's a whole nother thing. Because if we really believe that this is the word and we're willing to obey it, it will affect the way that we live. It affects our behavior. 
True teaching promotes righteousness, but sin flourishes where sound doctrine is opposed. And sad to say, where is sound doctrine opposed? Not just out there. It is opposed in many of our churches because it's not being preached. It's not being taught. Why? Because they don't believe it or they don't want to believe it. But we have to keep this message straight and true. The whole council, not just, not just a buffet. I'll tell you, I'll be honest, when I go to the buffet, I've been trying to stay away from the buffet, but when I go, I don't get everything there because I don't like everything there. And sometimes I don't take things that I should take, and sometimes I put things on my plate that shouldn't be there. But I always appreciate my wife, and I like to follow her example. I need to follow her example a little more. But the first place she goes is the last place I go. That is the salad bar. <laughs> because there are things there that I really don't want to eat when there's so many other, other choices. I want to have some, some protein. But we have to take all all of scripture, not just the parts we love, not just the parts that speak to us, not just the parts that, that you know, are appealing. Because I will say that there are many verses of scripture that are comfort, and they bring comfort to anybody. But we cannot overlook those that convict, because those things are what we truly Many times need to hear. Sin flourishes where sound doctrine is opposed. You need to be in a place that preaches the word of God. You need to be in the word. Saturate your life in your mind, your heart, your spirit, your soul with the word. We need to know what the truth is in a world full of lies. First John 4, 1, beloved, believe not every spirit. There's many spirits out there. There's many doctrines there's many different people talking. There's views and beliefs. Most of it is man-centered. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone into the world. What does that mean? That we need to live circumspectly. We need to be looking 360 degrees because the threat the enemy is all around us. Many false prophets are in this world. He might be saying, well, I'm secured upon the rock. I believe the word of God, and it, and, and it is changing and affecting my behavior. I'm following the word of God as best as I can. I'm yielded to the Holy Spirit. But my friend, you need to take heed for the, the lives of your children, the lives of this next generation, because sad to say, many in our churches do not uh, stay in church past their teen years, past their high school years. Many of them have gone away many theories as to why that's happening, but there's many false prophets in the world. There's many different philosophies that are appealing to the ears. This last days, the Bible says, Paul says that uh, many will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They want to, this, this sounds good. That sounds good. That, that kind of fits what I believe, what I want to believe maybe. But is it the truth? Instill in your children a, a, a love for truth, a heart for truth. There are tares among the wheat and wolves among the flock. 
And so the best way to distinguish truth from false, falsehood is to know what the truth is. You've probably heard this illustration many times before, but the federal agents don't learn how to spot counterfeit money by studying counterfeit money. They study genuine currency, genuine bills, until they master the look of the real thing. And it's only then that they can spot that which is counterfeit. That illustration probably could break down a little bit, but depending on what you use it for, but I would say that there's a need for us to just study the truth and saturate our heart and mind with the truth so that we know when something is off, and it might sound very, very close to the truth, because most counterfeit money looks like the real thing. It's done that way on purpose. Why? Because they want to pass it off as the real thing. But sometimes that false doctrine may not be uh, a blaring air horn and just like, wow, that is so false. <laughs> Anyone could see that. Sometimes it looks and it sounds so good. And it, it, it can catch up an unsuspecting believer. And that's why we need to be in the Word and, and to be studying the Word. Psalm 119, verse 66 Teach me good judgment and knowledge. There's a need for uh, wisdom. Wisdom. If you're willing to admit it, God will give you wisdom. If you, need, if you need wisdom, if you're willing to admit that you have a need, James says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Psalm 119, verse 66, teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Romans 12, verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do not rely on your own understanding and knowledge and experience. And you might say, well, all that is useful in my life, and uh, I've relied on that. It's gotten me through this far. But there are going to be some things. That, and if you'd just be willing to admit, God, I need some wisdom. I need some help. God will, God will guide you and lead you. He will tell you the, uh, the way to go, the path to go. The Word of God has the answer for your problem. You've got to just listen to the Lord. Uh, James chapter 122, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in the glass. For he beholdeth himself, he looks in that mirror, and then he goes his way, the Bible says, and straight for, straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he not be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. There's a promise to be, uh, to be received right there. If you would just stop looking in the mirror and saying, ah, it's pretty good. Uh, spiritually speaking, we sometimes come up to the mirror of the word of God and we say, well, I'm pretty close. I'm pretty good. But you're setting yourself up for a trap. The Bible says, don't just be a hearer of the word. Don't just agree with the word. Apply the Bible to your life and you will find blessing. Sound doctrine edifies the soul and the spirit. I don't know if you're taking notes this morning, but I'll go through the points again real quick. The church, oh, I'll skip that. Uh, the Bible, sound doctrine, is a sacred trust. What we believe affects what we do. Then we need to know what the truth is in a world full of lies. And then fourthly today as I close, sound doctrine edifies the soul and the spirit.
The word of God exhorts, it builds up. Some churches are built on negative preaching. Everything is negative, negative, negative. Now, there's a lot of things that need to be dealt with that are negative. But there's a lot of, a lot of preaching that can tear down our soul. But I'm telling you, the word of God, although it convicts, it always gives an answer. There's always a solution. There's always something to do. There's always, there's always a way of escape. Praise God. God is, that really brings, to, brings home the truth that God is the God of second chances. He's the God of third chances. Praise God for that. He's the God of 300 chances. We should not, we should not mess with the grace of God. Should we continue in sin that grace? But no. Romans 6 1 says, God forbid. But praise God, He gives you a second chance. The message is not one of negativity. Uh, preaching should build up. It, it should not bring fear and guilt. It should build up into truth. And so as, as the messenger of the gospel and me as your pastor who loves you and you as an exhorter of the word and you that go and you, you preach the truth to your family, you preach the truth uh, to uh, the stranger on the street or your coworker, we need to do this in love with the heart of wanting to build up and encourage and edify and, 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 and with the power of the Holy Spirit, with supernatural enablement, seek that that person's life would be changed for eternity. Oh, do you believe that God's word changes lives? I hope when you leave the house of God today, or whenever the word of God is preached, that you feel stronger, that somehow you were exhorted and you were encouraged to do the right thing and, and to grow, and to grow, and not take it as negativity, but rather Man, somebody cares enough about me to tell me the truth. Somebody wants to help me. I hope that you feel exhorted today as the people of God to seek after sound doctrine, to study the word of God, not picking what you want to get out of it. One of the best ways to do that is just read the Bible cover to cover. Cover to cover. Sad to say, I know of uh, some, even spiritual leaders, who I didn't ask them, but somebody asked somebody in this, own, this, this very city, have you ever read the Bible cover to cover? Well, no, I've read parts of it. My friend, read the word. Read the word. Somebody that tells you to t close your Bible when they're preaching, there's something wrong. Somebody that says, leave your Bible at home and you can't understand it, I'll tell you what it means, there's something wrong. The word of God could be understood by any one of us. The message is for all of us. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the greatest teacher. He, he will guide us into all truth. He will lead us into the truth. So let him teach you today, but read the word. Understand the, that it's necessary for us to take the whole counsel of the word of God. Sound doctrine, not, not a Bible full of holes. We have a holy Bible but it shouldn't be filled with holes. <laughs> the complete sound doctrine. That word healthy. Uh, what a blessing it is to have the whole counsel of God's word. Let's pray. Father, I do pray that you would help us this morning. Lord, I pray that your blessing would be upon this time of invitation.
Father, there's anyone here that's not saved, of course, you know their heart. I pray that they would, this morning, know that you love them, that you sent your son Jesus to die for their sins, all of our sins. And there's no other way to go to heaven except to put their faith and trust in Jesus. So I pray that today that they, they would have the understanding that they need to make a choice. I pray that today that they would choose to follow Jesus. I pray for the, every Christian here, Lord, that we would understand that our greatest strength as a church is not our building, it's not our bank account. None of those things are important. Do we have sound doctrine? Do we, do we have the truth here? Are we preaching the truth? Are we living the truth? Help us, Lord, to not have any kind of schism in our doctrine, but it would be unified and whole, healthy. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be students of the word, as Paul told Timothy. Study to show thyself approved unto God, workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I pray that you'd help us today.